You are listening to the Vine Church Sermon Podcast. Thanks for joining us. For more information about the Vine Church, please visit our website at www.thevinemadison.org. God with us, the ultimate presence of God is Jesus. Look at verse 22 again and 23. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophets. So he's saying hundreds of years before this, something happened. There was a prediction of this moment right here, this Christmas moment. And here's that prediction. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So fulfill the word of the prophet. We won't get into all that Matthew said surrounding this text that was written many centuries before, but the point is clear. Matthew is the author of this gospel about Jesus, wants them then and us to know now that God is with us in Jesus. Jesus is the fulfillment of what Isaiah said 700 years or so earlier, that there's coming a day when God will dwell with us. That's the true meaning of Christmas. But tonight I want to just briefly give you a a real quick tracing of this theme of God with us through the scriptures. This is one way to kind of understand God's relationship to his people. And it happens over and over and over again. It started way, way back. We see God's heart to give his presence to his people, to be with his people. Way back at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis. And I want to trace that theme with us tonight. And I think that will help us embrace this, the significance of verse 23 with a little more profundity, with a little more depth. As we see, this is the heart of God, or one angle on the heart of God. So many, many, many centuries before this text took place, God came to this guy, and his name was Abraham. His name was Abram, actually, at the time, and God changed his name to Abraham. And there's a lot we could say about him, but God made these cosmic promises to Abram. And he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to leave everything you know, and I want you to follow me to the land I will show you. That sounds kind of, kind of jarring, kind of scary. It would be for me. He didn't tell him where he was going. He just said, follow me. And so as you can imagine, Abram was a little bit reticent, a little nervous. And God says this to him. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. It says, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. That's a promise of his presence. I am your shield. I am your reward. Well, Abraham has a son. His son is named Isaac. And all the promises that were made to Abraham also were passed on to his son, Isaac. And at a point in Isaac's life, they're facing a famine in the land. And God just appears to Isaac and reiterates the covenant he made with his father. And God assures Isaac, saying these words. Check it out. Stay in this land for a while, and I will be with you and will bless you. I will be with you. I will be with you. Well, Abraham has a son named Isaac. Isaac has a son named Jacob. And all those same promises to Abraham continue to pass from Isaac to Jacob. 
This is just the story, the, the, the first kind of, first few pages of the Bible, the storyline of Scripture starts with, with these guys. And Jacob has this dream, a famous dream at a place called Bethel. And he, again, reaffirms this covenant, this relationship, these promises. And in this encounter, God assures Jacob, saying, listen to the similarity. You're going you're gonna to hear this. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I've done what I've promised you. I am with you. All these guys face obstacles, resistance, opposition, and God comforts with the promise of his presence. I will be with you. Well, the storyline continues, and a lot happens until we get to this next guy, and his name is Moses. Many, many, many years later, after Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, 400 years or more, and God appears to Moses in a burning bush, his presence, and he commissions him to go to the most powerful man in the world who had enslaved God's people, and he says, I want you to go talk to him and command him, be my voice to him, and say, let my people go. And Moses is like, there's no way I can do that. First of all, I'm a nobody. Second of all, I can't talk. I get nervous. I stutter. Look at what, Moses, what God says to Moses. Here it is again. I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that is, it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Again, I will be with you. I will be with you. Moses has a successor. Moses dies. He has a successor. His name is Joshua. And Joshua's main mission is to lead God's people into the promised land, the promised land, the land that God had promised. Way back to Abraham, the promise gets fulfilled in Joshua leading God's people into the land that he promised them. And God encourages Joshua with these words. He says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Why? For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. A few years later, there's a guy named Gideon who is raised up to to serve God's people. He's one of the judges in the Old Testament. And God calls Gideon to lead the Israelites, God's people, against a group of God's enemies named the Midianites who hated God. And Gideon, he's, he's, he's nervous too. There's a theme here. He's like, I can't do this. I can't lead your people. The Midianites are too strong. What does God say? Judges 6.16, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites. The book of Isaiah. Isaiah comes many, many years later and we're just working our way through the Old Testament, and, 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 and Isaiah um, is raised up by God to be God's prophet, to speak to God's people, and there's a lot of chaos in the book of Isaiah because the judgment of God falls on God's people for them just being idolatrous over and over and over again, but God will not give up on his promises. He never gives up on his people ultimately, and he says to his people, Through the prophet Isaiah, one of the most famous verses in the Bible, I think, he says, do not fear, for I'm with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. See the connection there between him saying, do not fear, and I am with you. Do not fear, because I am 
with you. God raises up another prophet, a prophet named Jeremiah. And, and Jeremiah has a horrible ministry. I mean, a, a horrible, um, like the mantle of his ministry was really, really heavy. Basically, God comes to Jeremiah and says, I'm going to command you to go and speak for me to, to my people. But guess what's going to happen? They're not going to listen to you. And they're going to probably treat you really badly. And that's what happens to Jeremiah. But yet he's called to obey. And he says, God says to Jeremiah, do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you. Well, we move in the New Testament. Two massive promises in the New Testament. Jesus comes, he lives a perfect life, dies death in our, in our place to be the substitute for us, to bear the wrath of God in our place so that we don't have to because of our sin. And he dies on the cross and bears the wrath of God in our place as our substitute. And he raises from the dead. He's risen from the dead, conquering death, the penalty of sin. And proving it all true, that he's worthy to be trusted, that he's worthy to be treasured because of the historical fact of the resurrection. And right before he leaves physically, he gathers his disciples to him and he gives them the famous great commission. He says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And here it is. Here it is. And behold, what does he say? I am with you always. I am with you always to the end of the age. Well, Jesus in another passage of scripture in John, his disciples are a little nervous. And they hear Jesus talking about him leaving. They hear him talking about him leaving, and he gets nerv- and his disciples get nervous. And Jesus promises his presence in a different way. And it's the coming of the Holy Spirit, who will be with believers actually indwell the the withness of the holy spirit is his indwelling presence in us the holy spirit is seen as god's presence dwelling within the hearts of believers this is what this is what jesus says to comfort his disciples in in, in light of him promising that he's going to have to go away but it's okay he will be with them he says this in john 14 and i will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. This is so beautiful. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. He says, I will come to you in the presence of the Holy Spirit that's going to live in you. So that's just a, a, a bit of a tour of God's promise of his presence throughout the scriptures. It's not just a Christmas promise. It's the heart of God that runs through all of the Bible. So this Christmas promise should should land on us with more profundity this year as we understand the, the, the whole scope of Scripture and what it says about God's promise to be with his people. And then finally, there's a future promise. And in the book of Revelation, when all of known history is, is wrapped up, 
we still see that heart of God. Revelation 21.3 says, this is John, he's writing down what he sees, this, this revelation of these amazing things that he doesn't even understand. But at the end of the book, he writes this. He says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them. Hear that? With them? Repeated? That's for, the, that's for emphasis. He will be with them as their God. What is this other than the, the presence of God forever? Jesus fulfilled it ultimately for the first time at Christmas and will one day do it again and it will last forever for all those who trust and treasure Jesus as Lord and Savior. So you might be asking yourself tonight, I hear what you're saying, I see what the Bible says, but what does that have to do with me where I sit right now in my life? How do I know and feel the presence of God today in the midst of my mess, in the midst of my struggle? How can I know that he's with me? Well, you might not feel like a magical tingle down your spine. You might not see God write you a message in the sky. But there are some evidences that I think it's important for us to recognize of God's presence with you that you may have forgotten. Like if you're a Christian here tonight, ask yourself a few questions. First of all, I think it's important to ask, have you ever seen God's provision in your life? Have you ever seen God's provision in your life? I can tell you story after story of God's provision in, in my life, in my family's life. Sometimes I think we, we miss it because we're kind of like that famous story, little parable that a lot of us have already probably heard. But it kind of goes like this, different variations. But there's somebody like trapped on top of, the, of a house during a massive flood. And he prays that God would save him. And so there's a boat that, that comes by as he's on the house and the, wa- the flood waters are rising. And the boat comes by and, and he says, it's okay, God, God will, you can move on, God, God will save me. And then the helicopter comes and offers to strap him into a harness and lift him to safety. And he says, it's okay, move on, I know that God will save me. Well, the flood waters rise and he drowns. And he goes to heaven and asks God, why didn't you save me from the flood waters? He said, well, I sent a boat and a helicopter, what more did you want? And I think sometimes we can be like that with God's provision. He's providing for us in simple, normal ways. Like, God has has promised to provide for you. Do you see his presence there? Like, do you see the evidence of God's presence through his provision for you? Like the time that you prayed and you saw him provide. I just think of most recently here at our church, we tried to raise money for three families who are hoping to adopt. And... Man, God's provision was evident there through his people way more than we could ask or imagine or what those three families asked for or imagined. I think we should see God's presence in his provision through his people. In all this, I don't think we should have the expectation that we're going to feel God physically holding our hand as we walk through trials 
tribulations in life. The Bible doesn't present his presence always like that. But it's just as real when you think of how God has provided for you. I think another form of seeing God's presence in our lives is through, if you're a Christian here tonight, seeing change in your life. Seeing change in your life. Considering, reflecting on change in your life. Like, have you considered that you're not what you once were? That you've changed, that your desires are not the same as they used to be, that your life is more aligned to God's word than it used to be, that maybe you're more quick to repent than you used to be, that you're more quick to maybe be generous than you used to be, that you're more quick to be a good listener and not self-absorbed as maybe you used to be. And so this is an evidence that we should turn that around on ourselves and say, hey, praise me, look at how awesome I am. But rather see it for what it is. God is alive in your heart. And he's changing you from the inside out by the power of his Holy Spirit. The Bible says from one degree of glory to the next. For all those who turn from their sin and trust in Jesus as their Savior and then receive the power of the Holy Spirit. So how do we see God's presence in our lives today? I think there's two ways to to be reminded and encouraged tonight that God is alive in you. You see his provision See a changed life, not as perfection, but a new direction as evidence of his presence in your life. So this is the ultimate Christmas message, that God is with us. That's what Matthew wanted his first audience to see. I think 2,000 years later, he'd still want us to see the same thing. That's why we're reading it tonight. Jesus came to dwell with us, to take our sin in our place so that we could go free and experience life to the full apart from the penalty of sin that deserves death. And if this is new to you tonight, all this Jesus stuff, this turning from sin and turning towards Jesus, life, death, resurrection of Jesus, or maybe that doesn't make total sense to you yet, we're so glad you're here. This can be true of you tonight. You can know that God's presence with you is a good thing and not a terrifying thing in judgment, but a beautiful thing of welcoming and and, and knowing that you have a, a heavenly father that loves you and wants to adopt you into his family. We do that by turning from the sin that's weighing us down and turning to Jesus, the ultimate evidence that God is real. See his cross that says he loves you and is willing to forgive you if you come to him. See his empty tomb that shows that Jesus is Lord. He rose from the dead, is willing to give resurrection and life to all those who turn from their sin and turn to Jesus. Come to Jesus tonight, maybe for the first time, and you can know that God is with you and he is for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this reminder tonight that you are with us, that you are for us, that you are not against us, that you came to dwell, that you came to um, abide with us. Heavenly Father, we pray that this message would land on our hearts anew tonight and that we would walk out of here rejoicing in the truth, that we're not alienated, um, that we're not alone, 
that we're not ostracized from you, God, that the universe is not a cold, dark place. It's purposeless. But that it's, that it's filled with your power and your presence. And we pray this 